Welcome back to the Agnes London podcast. In this week's episode, I speak to Mathilde, the co-founder of Blanc Living, an award-winning London-based natural dry cleaners. We discuss the processes involved in dry cleaning, the impact of conventional dry cleaning on our health and our planet, and how to care for your clothes naturally to make them last longer. I really love that Blanc are so passionate about inspiring change within their industry whilst providing a high quality service. Even if you're not a regular dry cleaning user, Matilde shares a wealth of knowledge on toxic chemicals and cleaning tips that are really useful for everyone. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you so much, Matilde, for agreeing to come on my podcast. My pleasure. So if you'd like to start off by telling us a little bit more about Blanc and what you're trying to do here. Sure. So we are a natural um, dry cleaners, um, which means that we do all the things that dry cleaners normally do, including uh, cleaning delicate garments, um, tailoring and repairing and and mending um, things that need mending and adjusting, and also doing laundry. But we do this with a twist. We don't do... um, the, we don't use the traditional methodology, which is toxic. We use a um, natural alternative to traditional dry cleaning, which is better for people's health and for the environment. Great. When did you start doing this? So the first store opened in 2013 in Malibone. Mm-hmm. Um, we have since grown to five stores in central London and West London. And... Um, it's yeah it's basically my husband started in 2012 and researched the industry um before you know i came on board a little later and um everything started taking off with um our central um london atelier uh, also being um open in 2016. so where did the interest in chemicals and um dry cleaning come from did you or your husband have a background in dry cleaning not at all um we didn't at all have a background but um Ludovic was looking for a green project. He just wanted, he was an entrepreneur at heart, he's always been, and he um, wanted to find a project that he was passionate about and he was passionate about everything eco-friendly. He comes from a family that is um, incredibly eco-friendly, natural and interested in health and the preservation of our planet. And he just wanted to take an industry, uh, transform it and clean it up. And he actually looked at different industries and different projects um, in his year of research and then came across the dry cleaning industry, which might not sound like such a sexy industry to look at, but actually turned out to be incredibly toxic and unhealthy for employees and for people. Um, And at the time, he and I were both very heavy users of dry cleaning. And so when he came across this, we were just like, oh, my goodness, what is this? I mean, um, I'll explain a little bit later um, about the process, but it's 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 really gross, basically, what they're um, doing to clothe and what they're um, putting um, on the garments. And so he researched what other methodologies there might be that would be cleaner, literally. And there are several. There are several alternatives that are more eco-friendly and better for people's health. But the one he chose and settled on was uh, wet cleaning, which is basically cleaning everything with water and biodegradable detergents. Um, And I can explain why that is better. And we really, really believe that it is one of the methodologies that has the less um, environmental and health impact. It's not to say that we are not looking at anything else. We're looking at innovations and there will be innovations um, in that field. There are other methodologies as well. Um, but wet cleaning to us is the best. So how does wet cleaning vary from the normal like dry cleaners you'd find on kind of every high street 
around. So um, dry cleaning, a little bit of myth busting, because dry cleaning is a funny word. Um, dry cleaning is not dry and it is not clean. It's not dry because clothes are put in a machine um, and they are soaked in a liquid called perk. Um, the reason it's called dry cleaning is that whenever the cleaning process is over, you open the machine and things in, the, in there are dry because the liquid being used to clean the stains is evaporated at very high temperatures, about 80 degrees actually. Um, and therefore, clothes come out dry, dry cleaning. But the reality is they're soaked in a liquid and this liquid is not clean. It's very toxic. It's derived from petroleum. And it's been linked to a number of very um, unsavory um, health repercussions. Um, it is just plain toxic. It's um, not good for humans. And it's a water, air, and soil pollutant. Because obviously, the liquid has got to go somewhere. And yeah. whenever it permeates the soil, it's detrimental to um, aquatic life. Whenever it goes into the waterways, um, it's very bad when people open, you know, the door of the machine, they breathe it in and mm -hmm. it's been linked to respiratory issues. The list goes on um, in terms of um, the bad impact that it has. So are those uh, chemicals kind of regulated in normal dry cleaners or are they a bit like you can... Is there not much known about Regulated them? can mean a lot of things. So in, in some countries, um, they're being phased out by the regulator. So the mm -hmm. regulator has come in in France, uh, in Denmark, in some parts of the United States, and in a number of countries, the regulator has come in and said, hold on, we cannot do this anymore. So you've got to find another way of cleaning um, clothes professionally. And they've given a deadline after which you cannot start a dry cleaners using this um, perk um, chemical any longer. Um, in other countries, such as the UK, there's been no law passed whatsoever and it's not been looked at. And, you know, 85% of the industry, probably, I think that's the latest figures that we have, is using this wow. liquid um, chemical yeah. to clean clothes. That's the that's why it's traditional. It's most dry cleaners you'll find on the high street will be using that methodology. Yeah. So do you expect um, garments to last longer with the methods that you use rather than conventional methods? We do, um, primarily because we believe that um, cleaning at a lower temperature is better. We cleaning with water and biodegradable detergents, so that's gentler on the clothes fibers. Um, you know, I think the immediate impact over two or three cleans might not be apparent but if you're looking at 10 to 15 um, we believe that the clothes fiber is going to be preserved a lot better it's a lot less aggressive um, as a methodology yeah because good. of the temperature and the chemicals involved in the traditional uh, method yeah and i guess it's much must be much safer to dispose of as well and it's yeah i mean it's, there's no comparison because the water that we um, discharge is literally safe to go into the waterways mm -hmm. um to dispose of this perk i'm not actually entirely sure how they do it i mean it must go somewhere and i'm not sure how yeah um they dispose of it yeah that's quite a scary so it's thought definitely a scary yeah. thought so um i'm wondering how often you recommend clothes to be dry cleaned whether there's a you can have your clothing kind of dry cleaned too much I think it really depends on the clothing themselves, on the material that they're made of, because certain fabrics respond in a very different way, 
on stains if there are any um, stains really have an impact on fibers so I think it's a it's a tough question to answer because it's so specific to what comes through the doors and I think that's a general comment about our industry nothing about it is standardized because basically every design every designer every fabric there's a combination of all of these things there's even you know as a component um, someone's interaction their skin's interaction with the fabric all of these come into the equation when it comes to cleaning and that's why it's as much an art as a science there are you know techniques that you can apply and that's science but there's also just kind of a lot of expertise and that's why we call um our artisans artisans because they know a lot about fabrics and and clothes yeah that's great so um going back to this perk you called it the chemicals um yes. is that harmful to us as the wearer once our clothes have been dry cleaned um there have been numerous studies that um this is not something that's good for, you know, people that are particularly vulnerable, such as people with allergies, people who are pregnant. Um, and I think heavy users, you know, do not want to put one additional toxic product right on their skin or sleep in it or, you know, wear it day in and day out. Um, the biggest effect is obviously on people living close by a dry cleaning store where, you know, the fumes are coming out of the machines. Yeah. And that's been very well documented. And unfortunately, there's been lawsuits already of people, unfortunately, you know, tracing cancer back to being wow. nearby. But they're all over. All over. Yeah. And um, it's it's obviously the, the worst impact is on employees who are in those factories and breathing this day in and day out. I think um, I can't remember the, the actual number, but in California, they're forbidding um, schools to be closed by dry cleaning stores. Um, and I think it's a number, I think 300 yards from a school, you cannot open a dry cleaning store. So to, to be sure that, you know, um, vulnerable people are, are protected, such as children. Wow. So it is, yeah. it, it is, uh, it is, I think, um, the parallel we like to draw is like asbestos. Years ago, you wouldn't even have known about it because mm -hmm. it's like a funny name chemical. And then people realized that it's not something that you want to put on your roof. And all of a sudden legislation was passed. And now, you know, if you have asbestos on your roof, it's like, stay away, please. Um, I think, you know, this is a little bit like this. Um, hopefully the regulator will start um, realizing that it, something needs to be done and therefore alternative technologies will start to flourish. Yeah. So um, in comparison to kind of dry cleaning, does um, wet cleaning, if you called it, yes. does that... Is it how does it work out cost wise to dry clean garments? Is it fairly comparable, or because you're using like better products, does it work it, out more expensive? It it is it is fairly comparable. It's um something that is also it's also a tricky question to answer because the the range of prices um, in the dry cleaning industry is crazy um, large. You can have a shirt dry cleaned for, and I'm talking traditional dry clean, for 99p, mm -hmm. um, or you can have a shirt dry clean at a different store for 18 pounds. Yeah. So our prices are not dirt cheap because, first of all, we pay our people what they need to be paid. And, you know, the process requires a certain amount of attention to quality. That means that it takes the time that it needs to take. But we're not completely crazy expensive because our products do not, you know, um, imply something massively more expensive. So I would say we are in sort of the middle of the market price-wise compared to the super luxury dry cleaners and the super cheap dry cleaners who are super cheap for um, the wrong reasons. Mm. So you also offer alterations and tailoring services. Yes. 
Yes. So how does that work? Do you, people have to come into your um, stores to have the garments fitted? Yeah, so the, it works in, in several different ways and we're really quite passionate about um, tailoring. We think it's such a great business because it's really about, you know, prolonging life of the garments in yet another way. And I think... Um, for a couple of decades now, it's been just easier to go out and buy something new. And one of the things we feel very passionate about is look at what you already have in your wardrobe, look at what, you know, um, what is quality and try to make it last. And tailoring is the way to make it last. So people basically can do several things. They can, if it's something fairly simple, they can just come across um, come come to one of our stores and they can be advised by a store assistant. Um, they are completely qualified to pin things and, you know, take minor um, repair um, requests. And then things will be pinned and sent to our atelier, central atelier, where we do everything. If it's something more complicated, such as, you know, completely changing the nature of a garment or um, altering it in significant ways, then the best thing to do would be to come in when our tailors are, you know, experienced tailors are in store because they do come to stores several times a week and then make an appointment with the tailor uh, who is going to be able to advise um, much better uh, when it comes to things that are complicated. Yeah. I think that's such a thing that doesn't really happen anymore. Like people don't get clothes to fit them. They kind of, we spend a lot of time trying to fit the clothes that we have rather yes. than making the clothes fit us. I think, yeah, one of the things we'd love to do at some point would be to even be able to sometimes send tailors um, to people. And that's that's the dream because that would really um, help people get over the hurdle of, my God, this is really inconvenient. Let me just order something online. Yeah. And you do repairs as well. Yes, that's yeah. what I would, yeah. Same thing as repairs and alterations. So um, repairs can be small repairs such as, I mean, we all know the moth epidemics that's um, currently uh, going through London. So it can be repairing small holes and tears, or it can be, you know, repairing something a bit more significant, like something completely um, torn in a, in a garment. But we do, it's the same thing as, you know, with alterations and, and, ta and actual tailoring. Yeah, great. So are there things that we can do at home um, to make our garments kind of last longer in between, in between like taking it to the dry cleaners and things like that? Are there any uh, basic tips you have for us? Um, well, the first thing is to store it well. So um, I'm going back to the moth topic, but um, definitely you want to make sure that your wardrobe is clean and dry so that um and it's you know in the right condition so that there are no moth um nesting uh in uh, in bad places because unfortunately once you get a few um it's going to spread and you're going to have to kind of do a big clean out of your wardrobe so i think you know using um, natural moth products moth repellents is is a good um is a good idea storing things in um in a, in a sort of dark and sort of cool, not too hot, not too cold place. Um, if you need to pack them away um, for winter or after summer or after winter, um, make sure that you pack um, garments in a sealed container with, again, moth repellent products so that nothing can be done um, over the time that it's away in, in your attic if you have one. Um, so storing is, is really important. Paying attention again to um, what needs to be mended early enough can prevent things from getting um, damaged. So I'll take one example, which is something that's hard for us to deal with, is moth again uh, can start a very tiny hole in something like in a lovely jumper. Mm -hmm. If you don't mend it quickly enough, 
once whether you, you you wash it at home or send it to a professional cleaner, so it's it's very likely that the hole will get much much bigger and obviously much much harder um, to repair once it's been cleaned. So it you know it can happen for us that people come in with something very tiny that's even sometimes not even noticeable, and um, the the mere fact of cleaning it makes it so much bigger. So paying attention to um, things that need to be mended early enough, and um, Cleaning with um, the right detergents is very important. It, it is important for your health. Generally, reducing um, the use of toxic products in the home is very important. But also using um, detergents that are just right. I think, um, again, a lost art is is scrubbing a little bit. So people now are used to detergents that you can just you know, put in the machine, check the clothing, and hopefully the stains will come out. And you don't really question what you should have done to get the stain out in the first place. But I think sometimes you need a little bit of elbow grease and you need a, a nice brush and you need um, a stain remover. And you just, you know, rub a little bit before it goes into the machine. And that enables you to remove the stain before it goes in and have a detergent that's a little less chemical um, to do the rest of the job, which is, you know, refreshing it and cleaning it and, you know, thoroughly into the fibers. So I think the rice choice of detergents and accessories is really important at home and lastly i will say um careful about temperature um the wrong use of temperature both in cleaning and drying um, most of the damage we see obviously comes from people using dryers in completely the wrong way they're not checking garment care labels yeah. uh, and they're not you know sometimes it says very plainly do not put in the dryer um, so that's one, um, obvious thing. Be careful what you put in the dryer. Don't put woolens, don't put cashmeres, um, you know, be, be really, look at the care label. Um, and when it comes to washing in the washing machine, um, be careful about very high temperatures. I think there's also, um, in understanding that the higher the temperature, the more hygienic it is somehow. Yeah. But sometimes you do not need to clean something at 90 degree or 60 degree or even 50 degree. Um, a lot of the things that are not heavily soiled can very, very happily be cleaned at 30 degrees because it's just a refreshing that you're looking for. It's, you know, odor removal and just general refresh. And you do not need to go past 30 degrees. So I would encourage people to um, look at lowering the temperatures that they're using with their machines um, and and try to, yeah, try to really be careful about using 40 degree plus types of temperatures. It's also, by the way, better for the environment because the higher the temperature, the more energy you're using to heat up the water in your machine and therefore the more eco-unfriendly it is. Yeah. So someone once told me that you should put your washing machine on a 90 degree wash every week i think it was to keep your washing machine like hygienic oh god empty or with clothing with clothing like you oh, might dear. like wash well, your like underwear or towels or something i like cannot i'm not i'm not a scientist or a doctor or um you know and i um, don't want to comment but i all i want to say is oh god because that's definitely not good for your clothes yeah definitely not and then i read somewhere else as well that i think it is um a t-shirt's carbon footprint can be saved by a third if you don't iron it and you don't 
tumble dry it. Yeah, I mean, tumble drying is, is a disaster. Um, I think um, the more we can do things centralized, the more energy we save. And I think it is really tough, though. I And I, you know, I feel for people generally um, in London because we live in a sort of humid environment and it is really hard to get things dry on the line. It's not like in some southern Mediterranean countries where, you know, you put something out and in 10 minutes in the sun, it's it's dry again. We have sort of smaller flats and we don't necessarily have the space to kind of put everything out. But we ought to try as much as we can. The minute there is a bit of sun, we need to put things out. Um, It's better for clothes. It's better for the environment. And if you can't do that, then try to minimize the number of loads you do every week so that you don't wash three T-shirts in one washing machine and one tumble dry you try to put as much as possible in and optimize what you're putting in in order to reduce the number of um, loads that you do every week. I think I read somewhere that we're doing it at the very least five a week for a normal sort of household. And that's probably already too much. Like a household of four? Four, yeah. It might be not the right figure exactly. But I think the idea is, professionally speaking, what we would say is you can load your machine up to the point that you can fit your fists between the top of the tumbler and the the top of the pile of clothing that you have in the machine. So if you can insert a fist and it fits, um, you need to leave some space at the top. Mm -hmm. You can't just completely, you know, stuff all the stuff in. Yeah. But you cannot, you know, having a machine that's only halfway loaded or even a quarter way loaded isn't, um, isn't what you want. That's quite a good measure to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I was wondering, talking about laundry detergents, if there's anything that you should look for in a laundry detergent or anything that you should definitely avoid in like a, you know, a general household. So the the easy thing for people to remember, because even I, and I'm in the industry, find it hard to remember all the chemical um, names. Um, And um, I can point you to, and I'll talk about that in a moment, a website that gives you all the things that shouldn't be in a detergent. But the one thing to remember is try to stay away from enzymes, which are the active ingredients that a lot of mass market um, detergents use in order to make their detergents more efficient. So enzymes are um, definitely efficient. They're called biodetergents. Mm-hmm. Okay. And biodetergents are efficient, but not good for, definitely not good for anyone with eczema. Uh, and generally not not very good at all. Um, you want to go for non-biodetergents, so without enzymes. And again, that might mean, and that's why sometimes people say, oh, but that's not as efficient. It might mean that on certain sturdy stains, you need to do a little bit of pre-cleaning, um, so stain removal. Mm-hmm. And you can use a little um, stain remover. There's liquid stain removers or like soap bars type of things that you can use on the stain and then put it into the machine. But you know, once you remove the stain, it's completely as efficient as a as a non-bio one. Um, sorry, as a bio one, it's always very uh, tricky. So bio is bad, non-bio is good. Okay. Okay. They're definitely so worth recognize from seeing like on kind of detergent exactly. Packets. So go for non-bio, but because it has none in in it, it's really um, illogical for me. Yeah. <laughs> so non-bio <laughs> is what you want to go for, and then. Um, there's this brand called BioD, which is making it all even more complicated. That's a UK-based brand. And if you go to their website, they have a very helpful page about um, what should not be in your detergent. And so that's things like phosphates and chlorine and a number of other chemicals whose names are always forget. But um, it's 
one of these things where I think much like in the food industry before in cosmetics, um, the ingredients list are so hard for anyone to understand that no one is going to spend the time. And I think we need to get to a world where um, there's more transparency on labels and there's more research into the impacts that those chemicals have on us. And there are easier ways um, to detect if something has some something bad in it or 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 not. Yeah. Like for food, I use an app that I can scan things with and it tells me, you know, or cosmetics as well, this is good or this is bad. Um, I think we need the same for detergents and everything that's household related. Yeah, I think we're, as consumers, we're very disconnected from what is in our very. products. We fall to the marketing a lot. And it's and it's really hard. I've been in this industry for, you know, for years now, and I find it hard to tell what's good and what's bad. So I think it's down to companies to kind of make things more transparent and more understandable. Um, it shouldn't, the burden shouldn't be all on the consumer. Uh, they've got enough information to see through. Yeah. Yeah. Because you see a lot of these words like biodegradable, yes. like non-bio, things like that. And like, they don't necessarily mean anything to you as a consumer. You don't actually yeah. know they, what They is. don't. And they're sometimes also used very lightly. Yeah. So you don't necessarily know if, you know, the use of the world natural, and we're guilty as well. We're using the world natural, but the use of the world natural is in itself kind of very tricky because you know what does it mean yeah it's, it's quite a broad term this broad term yeah so i think yes people who are interested people with health issues and people who are committed to kind of helping the environment should look into household products not only detergents but household products in general um, because you know reducing toxicity in the home is something that is incredibly important if you want to stay healthy yeah, I think sometimes people kind of think that you need strong chemicals or you need to like bleach everything away to like have a healthy home or have a clean home. But you actually end, end, end up being more detrimental if, by using those chemicals. I then. think so. And I think one of the things we're trying to do is try to bust the myth a little bit about what is, you know, um, what can be done and what shouldn't be done too much. Um, we have I think all of us grown in a culture where you're gonna, you know, you've been told about germs everywhere in no uncertain terms. And, you know, if you're not using the um, gen cleaning gel thing, as soon as you step off the tube, you're like this very kind of gross person who doesn't look very hygienic. I think we need to be careful because I think medicine, and I've heard a lot of podcasts about this, is actually finding out that in a lot of ways, this might be more detrimental to our health because it makes... Um, our resistance, it, it makes it very diminished, um, our resistance to germs in the long term. So I am certainly not suggesting to anyone that they be unhygienic, but I think there are many ways of cleaning um, that um, can still give you a very spotless home and very spotless garments, um, but don't mean that we're using such heavy chemicals. Yeah. So talking about being unhygienic, um, since kind of learning more about sustainability and trying to take like better care of my clothes, I've um, been looking at like how much my clothes do actually need washing. Mm -hmm. um, and which obviously sometimes can seem a bit hygienic. No, but it's a very, very slippery <laughs> topic. But yes. Um, so I was wondering if there's any, like I know, for example, jeans, I don't think you're meant to wash them very, very often, often, are you? And I've heard that you can put them in the freezer as well. 
Yes, um, you you can. I um, this is something that will you know remove odors and the freezers and are meant to be very good. Same thing for for moths as well because basically they they k- kill everything off given the very low temperatures. So you c- you can definitely do that, and it's definitely true that um, you don't want to wash them very often. I think what we would say people are often asking us to comment on how often do you need to clean this and that. Stains are something that you need to clean out, okay? Whenever it, whenever something has a stain, you need to clean it out because if you leave it on for too long without cleaning it, what happens is the whatever material um, or um, the, the stain is made of, so it's whether it's an organic stain or an industrial sort of more synthetic stain, that permeates the fiber of the garment that it's on. And the longer it stays, the harder it is, it is to get out. So if you care for your garment, get stains out as quickly as possible. If possible, the minute you've stained it. Um, the, the second thing is obviously odors are something that is, you know, not something you want to go out and wear something that really uh, smells very badly again. And whilst sometimes you can um, air something out, and we, we recommend um, that you air things out a lot more than people are, have been told to in the past. Um, there's a point when, you know, you're going to need to have a thorough clean and you need to have, um, in our case, water going through the fiber of the garment in order to take that smell away. Okay. But apart from smells and odors, I think um, the rest is really up to personal preferences, but we would really encourage people to put things back on a hanger, air it out for a little while, um, and, you know, there are um, some um, crease-release types of sprays that you can apply. If something's been um, a little bit too creased, you can hang something in the shower and the steam from the shower can decrease something that's been, um, you know, heavily creased. So there's lots of tricks of things that you can do in order to avoid cleaning things too much. Um, sometimes, as um, Stella McCartney was recently um, quoted as saying, you can also brush dirt off a garment by letting it dry and then gently brushing it off. So it's really about knowing what kind of stain you're talking about. Has it gone through the fiber very much? Do you as a person feel um, competent enough to decide whether this is going to stay permanently or not? Because if you don't, then you don't want to risk it and you want to take it to professional. Mm -hmm. But if you're someone who knows a lot about, you know, garment care and you know that, you know, you can leave it to dry for a couple of days and then you can brush it off, then by all means do that. Yeah. So it's, it's really a matter of, is it stain or is it smelly? Are you yourself comfortable enough with garment care that you know what you're going to be doing and therefore you're happy to wait? And, um, you know, does your garment generally look okay and does it just need a refresh? In which case you definitely don't need to either wash it or take it, take it to a professional. Yeah. I love hanging stuff in my, I always hang stuff like in my bathroom. Yeah. And that works really well as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely needed to hear that about stains because I'm terrible. I'm quite a clumsy person. So I'm terrible about staining things. Um, and I find myself Googling quite often, like how to get rid of like balsamic vinegar stains and things like that. And I think that's, that's a little bit dangerous because the one thing I should, so I'm, I'm, you know, despite running (laughs) and you could write cleaning, I will encourage people not to wash or clean too much. However, um, one thing that people need to know is that if you try something at home that isn't the right thing to try, like, you know, you're putting salt on something, but it's not the right thing to do, and you've done it at home yourself before taking it to a professional, that makes our job so much harder. And it also means in certain cases that you've actually ruined your garments. 
when someone else could have actually removed that stain very easily. So we've we've got a lot of um, cases where, you know, somebody's actually tried to remove the stain by themselves, but because they used the wrong product or they, very important, if you're going to use the wrong product, do not dry it very much. Do not put it in the tumble dryer because that cooks the stain. Mm-hmm. And that is something that makes it super hard for us to remove down the line. So if you're really hesitant, it's not worth it. Uh, if you know what you're doing, by all means, remove it as soon as possible. But generally, cold temperatures, no hot temperatures, because that makes the stain. Yeah. So if you're going to try something out, try it with cold water. So is it, if you were going to try something, is it better to try it hand washing it rather yes. than put it in the machine? Absolutely. Absolutely. The minute it starts going into the machine and the temperatures start, you know, going up, the harder it is for the stain to come out. Yeah. So I, hand wash. Yeah. I have a sinking feeling that I've ruined a pair of trousers at home <laughs> after this conversation. Oh dear. <laughs> Uh-oh, bring it in. <laughs> so are there um, types of fibers or types of garments that you would recommend only getting dry cleaned? Um, well, um, not that we find that very easy and we often send it to a partner actually, but um, the first thing to say is leather and suede. I would really not recommend doing anything like that at home. Um, we don't, we often don't do it ourselves either. We send it to somebody who only does leather and suede cleaning. So that's, that's, um, to start with. Um, I think woolens and fine wools in particular are very easy to do at home if you know what you're doing. And again, you're not using very high um, high temperatures and you're able to dry things flat Mm -hmm. because they don't take very um, lightly to being hung on a hanger and then, you know, the water drips and it's so heavy that it usually extends the fibers and it's usually going to end up as um, completely uh, misshapen if you do that at home. So, so long as you have the space and the time to take care of your woolens, then do it at home with cashmere shampoo, for instance, and no drying. If you don't have time and you don't have space, then you want to send them in because otherwise they're going to definitely lose their softness. Um, we have, we have dryers, which are unlike any dryer you have at home, which are, um, which control the temperature and the moisture and the mechanical action of everything that's in there. Uh, in order to be super gentle on garments. And so it gives a really gentle and soft finish. And I think if you don't have the time or the space, it's better to send them in. Um, I think then it we're moving on to designs, things that are very um, blatantly black and white or red and white, things that have um, perhaps not been tested by the designer. So if it's a designer that's maybe not um, as big and famous uh, and maybe doesn't have the means to have a lab in-house to test how things are going to fare when they're cleaned Um, and you can tell that the color looks a little bit like it might not have um, set so well in the design process or manufacturing process Um, then you want to ask for somebody's opinion before trying to clean it because it's it's likely that at home it will run it actually might run with us as well, um, but we would tell you whether there's a risk. So it might, it might be worth just taking it in for uh, for advice. Um, and you are asking about fabrics, viscose and triacetate, things that are um, very delicate fabrics like this might have a tendency to move in shape when you're doing them at home. So um, this is something where I would say you need a professional finish. Um, but again, it's very dependent on the garment. It depends on also the care that the designer has, you know, taken to design the garment and test it to see how it's going to work. Um, so it depends on the designer as well. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely learned that 
the hard way with like woolen jumpers like one winter i'll buy like a really gorgeous soft like knitted jumper and it's just not the same it, the yeah it doesn't yeah one way or another you're gonna it's it, and it's often to do with the drying process and if you dry it naturally that can sometimes make it um a little bit stiffer uh and you know what's really nice about it is for it to be really soft so in that case if you don't have the right things at home i would take it to professional yeah great and so suits and things like that they are like quite a common ones yeah i mean suits suits definitely are something that you take in um because jackets will not do well in the washing machine uh, they will lose their shapes and they need quite a bit of work to be put back into shape um trousers i mean fine suit trousers again you don't want to try that at home definitely you want to take it in uh, and for us it's something that's fairly uh bread and butter to do i mean it's really what we do quite yeah. a lot of so um i think you know yeah you would want to take that coat i wouldn't try that at home either um it's often also people also forget but the bulkier um the garments the more it's going to be difficult to fit it into a small home washing machine and the more the mechanical action on the garment is likely to damage the fiber uh, if it's small things they fit into your home washing machines but some, the minute it gets bulky and heavy um, you risk damaging the fiber by the wrong mechanical action we have much larger machines mm-hmm. and um, that um, you know that that helps a lot preserve um, the fiber household items um that's something that we don't really talk about very often but yeah. how often does do people clean their duvets and pillows is a question that um, I do not dare to get the answer to. <laughs> um, and actually they should because a lot of allergies are caused by the fact that we are sleeping in these duvets and pillows. Yeah. And, um, you know, they need to be at the very least aired out on a very regular basis. We were saying three three weeks to a month, right? Um, for air, at least airing out. And if you could, it would be much better to actually bring it to be cleaned um, for duvet sets, for instance, yeah. uh, and things like that. Because you sleep in it and you rub your bare skin on it and that kind of um, creates allergies when um, they're not cleaned thoroughly. Yeah. So um, how can you say airing it out, but how can people do that at home with their like, oh, duvet? Just with, the win- with just window, like taking it out of the bed, yeah. uh, putting it on onto a chair, putting it close to a window if it's raining outside, or obviously taking it outside if it isn't. Mm-hmm. That would be a first um, a first step. And I think um, the issue here is it's very bulky and heavy, and people don't yeah. like to carry things around. Um, but we. So, so one of the things that we found is we offer a pickup and delivery service at home. And I think a lot of people who use that service, um, are people who want to clean their household items because it's really, I mean, let's face it, it's really hard to bring your duvet cover and your duvet, uh, all the way across town to, um, get clean naturally. Um, but if it gets picked up, it's something that you can do a lot more often. And I think that's a healthy habit to have. Yeah, that's true. I wouldn't have really thought outside of my wardrobe to um, items that need dry cleaning. Yeah. Yeah, but I think the delivery service is great because you obviously don't want to carry your duvet on no, the tube. No, it's very inconvenient. Yeah. Yeah, and pillows as well. People don't think about that. Pillows, sometimes people have machines that are big enough for pillows, but sometimes their machines are too small and then you can't dry it properly. If it's got feathers in it, it's going to get lumps together at home if you dry it. So you risk damaging a very nice pillow and it's just not worth the hassle. Um, Just take it a few times a year or get a pickup a few times a year um, and then you just will breathe a lot better and will sleep a lot better. Yeah. That's so true. And I guess then it's even more important to have it um, cleaned naturally as well because you are, you're spending like, what, eight hours? like In bed every in night. Bed. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, and there's a lot of people who get it um, directly in the conventional way. And I think really stay clear of that. If you're going to do um, something, at least I think I probably would recommend doing nothing compared to dry cleaning uh, your bed sheets. Yeah, especially, uh, I guess, especially if you've got like, if you're prone to allergies or skin and conditions eczema, and skin conditions. Like exactly. That's been really shown to be the case. Um, that will, so, so it's a bit of a tricky thing because allergies, um, if you don't clean them often enough, that's been proved to not help your allergies because there's, we shed skin, um, cells. Um, there's lots of things in the air that will come and stay in your duvet and your pillow. Um, so you want to clean them. But you want to be careful how you clean them. Yeah. So in terms of your like pillow cases and your duvet covers and sheets and things like that, um, are there any kind of special things you recommend for cleaning them at home? Or do you think just a normal like 30 degree yeah. wash? Um, I mean, no, it depends if they're soiled, right? Because yeah. if they're soiled, you, you do want to go higher with the temperature. Um, if they're normal and it's a refresh, I think 30, 40 degrees is fine. How often do you recommend washing your bedding? Um I mean, I think that's that's something between the recommendation and what people will actually do. There's a massive variation. We do recommend two to three weeks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, But I think it's it's quite a hassle because you know having to put them back in, etc. We you know we realize that people are really busy and it's unlikely that people are going to do that quite as often. Um, There's also the question of washing something too often again that pops up. So I think you know don't stay definitely don't stay more than two months without washing. your um, duvet and pillows two to three months and for your bedding I would say one month six weeks very very maximum because then it starts getting a bit um, no not so good yeah so um, if someone is unsure as to whether they should get a dry dry cleaned or um, what if there's maybe like a stain remover or something like that can they just pop into one of your stores and talk to a member of yeah. your staff? Will they be able to advise? Definitely. That's what we call our store staff consultants because they consult. And I think that's the beauty of having stores. I think we, we really believe in the convenience trend for everyone. And I think um, home pickup and delivery is, is wonderful when people are really busy. But in every customer journey, there will come a time when they will need um, specialized advice. And that's what we're here to do. We offer expert advice on on specific stains and specific fabrics and designers so i think if in doubt you know if really you can't pop in you can always call someone from customer care and um, they will have a conversation with you as to what to do and we'll be able to give preliminary advice but everyone in our company will say the same thing we cannot give certain advice until we've examined the garments so no one will be able to give you advice over email or on the phone without seeing what the stain is like, what the designer has, um, you know, advised and what the fabric is like. So the best thing to do is definitely to come into a store and have a chat with one of our consultants. Yeah, great. And um, so obviously there's um, sustainable fashion is a massive thing at the moment. And part of that is buying secondhand or going to vintage stores and um, looking for vintage pieces. I know personally, like I've got some... um, vintage pieces that don't actually have any kind of labels on them they don't have a designer label don't have care instructions and it's very hard to know um what to do with them this is a very tricky topic for us because um as you know a a procedure we do not clean things without garment care labels without the authorization of their owner the reason being that whilst we can try our best and we have a lot of expertise at recognizing fabrics and designs etc 
you know, there, the likelihood that things will go wrong is higher if there's no garment care label. Garment care labels do not always guarantee that nothing will go wrong because sometimes they're just pasted on without any tests. Mm. So I also warn people because sometimes, you know, you follow the garment care label to the letter and then something yeah. happens. Um, but with no garment care label, it's really hard. So we do what we'll do, you know, within our ateliers, we will test things on small, um, samples of fabric or you know places that won't show if something goes wrong but the reality is yeah vintage clothing are difficult because anything might happen yeah sometimes it's so hard to tell yeah what fabric it is but you know i would personally think that you're still better off asking a professional who sees thousands of items a day than trying something out yourself when you're maybe you may not be that qualified um so i think it's still better to take it but we wouldn't usually take it without asking for your authorization, which means, are you really sure you want to leave this with us? Because if something does happen, you know, we will have out, out um, line the risk before taking it. Yeah. So if someone uses your delivery service mm -hmm. and say, for example, you get a garment that doesn't have a garment label or something like that, would you then contact them? Well, yes, absolutely. We will flag it. So we have two ways of doing things. People who are very used to us, um, sometimes do not want to be bothered constantly with us filming them for specific things. So sometimes they will say, you know what, go ahead with everything and do whatever you think is best because I trust you. And people who just know us a little bit less well, um, we will basically contact them via our customer care um, team and say, look, we have um, identified a risk. Um, so it is a professional opinion that... Um, if cleaned, something might happen. Do you want us to go ahead? And whether it's vintage or whether it's a stain, things, you know, your answer might vary. If it's a stain and it's a white top and it's right in the middle, you may not be wearing it ever again if you don't try. So you'll likely say, you know what, go ahead because I have nothing yeah, to lose with can't this. Can't get any worse. Yeah. Exactly. Can't get any worse. If it's something that's, you know, got any emotional value and is vintage, you know, we our policy is honesty and we might advise you not to try it and sometimes not doing anything is better because once you know something um happens it's very hard to fix mm. yeah and and i think one of our you know the values that we try to um talk about when we we do um team meetings etc is really honesty and i think um in transparency and so long as the message is clear and the expert has given an opinion and has been saying things clearly enough, then we, we think it should be the customer's choice whether to try or not. So since 2013, since you started, um, have you found that there's been like much more awareness for natural dry cleaning? Definitely. I mean, it's been incredible for the past two years. So it was really, I would say, quite hard at the beginning. People were like, natural what? And um, I think back in the day, there was consciousness already. There was a trend uh, around health and toxicity. and But it was really looking at food. And so it was starting around cosmetics. And people were looking at the labels, but not really uh, making parallels with other industries. And I think for the past two years, um, there's been several things happening. One is that people have really become aware of fast fashion and everything that it does. Um, and does not do. Um, and it's also that, you know, toxicity is something that is so at the top of people's mind that they're now looking at everything else around mm -hmm. them that might cause toxicity and therefore are coming to us a lot more likely to welcome our message um, than they did before. Um, you know, it's 
the majority of people want their garments cleaned in a professional way and they want the right service and pleasant experience in store or um, with the deliveries. But um, once you know, you can't unknow. And what we're trying to do is make people aware of what the alternative is and what the alternative does. And so, you know, some people are always going to be more receptive, um, but we um, are definitely touching people also who wouldn't have normally come to us for eco-friendly or health reasons and are now waking up to the fact that, oh my goodness, if I have an option, I'd much rather go with a natural one. Yeah. Do you find um, that people on first like glance assume that um, their clothes aren't going to be as clean mm -hmm. with you as they would be with the chemicals? You're, you're, you're so spot on. I think one of our challenges from the get-go is the minute you start talking eco-friendly, people immediately assume that it's going to be brown, ugly and inefficient. And I think, you know, anybody who's in that sphere is going to say the same. And I think it was really critically important for us to show that you could be eco-friendly and stylish. And yeah. that's why, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about the customer experience in store, whether it's the environment, the store environment, the types of products that you find in our stores, and obviously the expert advice. Um, that's why having a customer care team is very important to us because this is not something that you usually find um, your regular dry cleaners to have. Yeah. We have people who can answer the phone and emails um, as quickly as possible. And that um, is um, customer experience. And that makes things more efficient. And I think, of course, in terms of the technology, um, we have come, you know, the technology was already there for 25 years before we used it. It's not proprietary yeah. by any means. Um, but we have made it better, we think. Um, we have customized our machines uh, to a certain extent with specific programs. Um, we've got, you know, a training program in internally. Um, and we are taking more and more people who don't have any skills when they join us and learn a skill um, when they come and work for us. And I think um, I now can say very confidently that, yes, it is just as efficient. I mean, we clean... I think today over 1,400 garments a day. Wow. Um, so the expertise we have now um, yeah. with our technology and in general when it comes to designs and designers, um, our people are truly experts and some of them have, you know, years and years of experience in um, cleaning or, or, or pressing. And um, it, it, just, it just is just as efficient. Yeah. The, num the numbers speak for themselves. The fact that we've opened the fifth door um, speaks for itself because people do keep on coming. Yeah, that's so good. Um, and yeah, your stores are really beautifully laid out as well. Um, yeah, we I try. Think they're quite, you want to go into them for well, the experience. For well. us, it was quite um, the irony that you would take your clothes to be clean in places that are often very cramped, dark, and actually smelly because the perk smells very strongly yeah. and you know that clothing wouldn't be treated with the care that they deserve in the store environment so the first um thing that we wanted to change was the experience needs to be more pleasant and it needs to speak to you know um cleanliness um we are trying to make it bright and airy because all of this speaks to um expertise and cleanliness basically and it's important for us that the message starts within the store environment mm. already so you have five stores in London at the mm -hmm. moment. Um, one thing I find a lot in the kind of sustainable space is that a lot of it is centered around London. Mm -hmm. So I wondered if you have any plans to expand outside London or introduce maybe like 
uh, like people mailing stuff to you or delivery services yeah. outside of London? So interestingly, some people are already mailing things um, to us. The logistics, though, are complicated and the carbon yeah. footprint isn't simple. Yeah. Um, and the issue with our business model is that it is hub and spoke, which means we need an atelier in order to clean things um, at scale. So, you know, to do over a thousand uh, garments a day, you need a place where you have all of your experts um, gathered in one place. So unfortunately, that makes it very hard for us to transport things um, between London and Manchester, for instance. And it would likely mean that if we were to go to a different city, we would need to open another factory there. Mm. Um, and therefore, there are definitely plans for expansion, but we want to do London really well and get the model right. And then, um, and then you know, start looking strategically at where it makes sense to open the next batch of stores and the next factory. That being said, um, one of the things we do is um, selling products. And this is something that, you know, we do mail um, across distances. We have yeah. uh, customers who had tried us in London and moved abroad and are still, you know, um, ordering products from us because they know that they get the most eco-friendly um, selection. So it is something that's possible, but it is something we, we need to remain local. It is a local yeah. business and carpet footprint is an issue. So the next strategic step isn't, um, isn't um, necessarily, um, you know, doing things with a lot of transportation. Yeah. So is there any advice you would give to people, say, in other cities or other areas that are looking to clean up their cleaning? Their cleaning. That's a really good question because, yes, <laughs> before before the um, the wet cleaning wave comes uh, over every city, um, they need to have options. So first of all, there are other technologies that do not use perk that are I think not quite as good as wet cleaning, but they are much uh, better um, from an eco-friendly perspective. Um, one of which uh, is um, green earth um, technology, which is still using um, um, solvents. There are other technologies out there um, that aren't quite as bad as PERC and mm -hmm. I think are not quite as good as wet cleaning. Um, CO2 cleaning is one of them. Um, Green Earth has branded their technology Green Earth, which I think is fabulous branding. I still don't think they're not as eco-friendly as um, wet cleaning because they still use a solvent, which is, um, you know, part of the problem. Yeah. But they are bet it's a better solvent than uh, perchlorethylene, which is the perk one that we're talking about, which um, is very bad. Um, I think, of course diminishing the amount of cleaning that they need to do professionally and looking for garments that don't necessarily require professional cleaning mm -hmm. uh, when you buy, when you make the purchase decision. And um, I think, yeah, that's it until they can get to their next um, wet cleaner. <laughs> right. Um, before I ask you my last question, I was wondering if there's anything else you wanted people to know about Blanc or about natural cleaning. Yes. So, um, one of the things that we're working on behind the scenes is really to be a little bit of a missing link between consumers and fashion brands. Um, we haven't talked at all about um, one subset of our um, customer base, which is um, working with fashion brands. And mm -hmm. that's been incredibly exciting because um, as you know, the issue of fast fashion has arisen. Um, so has fashion woken up to the fact that they need to do something? And a lot of people are turning um, to sustainable alternatives for the consumer use phase, which is the cleaning phase of the product life cycle. Um, and by the way, we haven't talked about this, but 
there's been a lot of scrutiny in the media um, over the sort of everything that's happening upstream. So uh, production of raw materials in the fashion industry, uh, garment production, um, even transport and distribution, which I would call um, the upstream sort of bits. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, there should be scrutiny because there's yeah. a lot of bad practices um, there at um, the beginning of the process. Um, there's been a lot of scrutiny over end of life. So what happens when we don't want clothes anymore? Um, you know, they end up in landfill and it's a disaster, ecologically speaking. Yeah. Um, so there's been a lot of scrutiny to tell people you need to recycle more. How do we recycle? Who can you send your um, clothes to for them to be recycled, etc.? What clothes can be recycled and what clothes cannot? But there's been zero emphasis on like a whole one third of the process, which is, you know, garment care. Yeah. Like the entire life of a garment, once it's been purchased and before it gets discarded, you need to do something in order to make it, you know, more um, sustainable. And mm -hmm. that's one third of the impact. So I think um, what we want to do is bring the spotlight onto the garment care face. Yeah. And we want to uh, foster greater understanding um, by consumers of the choices that designers have to make in order to make a garment cleanable mm -hmm. and maintainable. Because sometimes there are choices that are being made for design purposes or convenience purposes. Um, and, you know, they're not the right choices because that garment is not going to last. And I think we want to be the link between the consumers and the, and the brands. For the brands... We need to help them understand how consumers are using the garments that they've purchased because we have a lot of insights. Um, we see things come once, twice, three times, 15 times through our doors. Yeah. So we know, you know, in terms of collections that um, fashion designers launch, we know what works and what doesn't, what people are wearing and not really wearing. Um, so it's, it's about, you know, helping fashion designers understand um, what works and what doesn't in terms of longevity and also helping um, consumer understand what um, the fashion brands are doing in order to make their design more sustainable, um, make consumers understand the garment care label, look at the garment care label in order to help them take good care of their items. So yes, we're pitching for um, space in the, in the, you know, product life cycle, and we're pitching for a place um, in between consumers and um, fashion um, houses. And I think uh, people are starting to pay attention. And I'm, I'm not saying to us specifically, although we've had very good conversations already, but I think they're starting to pay attention to the fact that for a garment to have less impact, it's very simple. People need to wear them a lot. And, you know, it's, there's been a lot or on social media around the 30 wear campaign. Mm -hmm. Well, that's if someone takes something away from, um, from, from this today, ask yourself the question, is this garment made to last 30 wears? Um, and am I going to wear it 30 times? Because I've actually bought it in um, mindfully, um, knowing that it has a place in my wardrobe and it um, serves its purpose in terms of helping me define my identity even. And I want to wear it again and again because it's well made and it's going to last. Yeah, I think that's so true. That's such a good point. We spend a lot of time scrutinizing where our clothing comes from mm -hmm. and also thinking about, I mean, even like the end of life, the where clothing it goes. isn't really thought about as much Not, as it probably it should, should be. It should, yeah. Yeah, but there's, you know, we don't really look at ourselves and look at our role in that as as like taking care of our the clothing. The keepers of the clothes. Yeah, so that's such a great um 
great thing to work on. And I think there's a lot of like clothing rental platforms as well that's springing up at the moment. And there's definitely a place for um, kind of professional cleaning in that as well. And we're working with a lot of them already. And and we think they're really, I mean, they're um, shaking the fashion industry. And I think it's a great trend. Um, And um, people's mindsets have evolved and, you know, ownership isn't what matters so much anymore as, you know, being able to experience the feel of a great dress. And I think that's amazing because if ownership starts becoming a little less important, then, you know, you are able to change the way things are being consumed and uh, make things last longer. And that's where we need to get to eventually because, I mean, the staggering figure is 80 billion clothes are produced annually. Uh, and that insane. is, you know, uh, many, many, many times as much as only two decades ago. So there's a point where we're going to have to ask ourselves the question, how long are we wearing all those clothes and where do they go once we were, we're done with them? Yeah. And that isn't something that is uh, insignificant. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that the um, 30 words should be more like 300 words. Well, <laughs> well is, let's not be quite I a think staggering every, number. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree. And I just think between two wares, which is where I think we are at, and, you know, doing a little bit better, I think so long as people are doing things a little bit differently, every little helps. And um, one of the things that is important to us as a company as much as design and showing that um, eco can be efficient. It's also to create a lot of content to help people be better because sometimes they just don't know how. There's so much information out there. And so it's it's really telling people if all of us did a little bit, things would be significantly better. And so let's not all get overwhelmed by how difficult um, the task is. Let's just all try to change um, tiny habits that aren't going to cost us very much. And that's already a huge step forward. Yeah, amazing. Definitely, that is the right message. So at the end of every podcast, I ask my podcast guests um, what they have seen or read or heard recently that's left them feeling positive about the future. So that can be kind of things that are going on within the business or things that you've seen outside. Um, I think, you know, you were touching upon this, but first of all, for me personally, and, you know, my husband as well, we've, we've put our hearts and souls in, into this business. And the fact that there is um, definitely an awakening or, or increased awareness of the issues that we're trying to solve is hugely encouraging. I think um, there needs to be plenty more, as a lot of people in the news have, po- have pointed out. We need to all wake up. But I think, again, every little helps. And we've definitely seen a, a shift in consumer patterns and awareness in general. And that's um, hugely encouraging. I think um, what's positive is the younger generation is not going to take um, you know, money issues or no for an answer. And people are starting to really kind of get thoroughly discontented about um, the bad answers that we've had from, um, you know, politics and our leaders and I think our business leaders as well. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I don't even count myself in, in, into that generation anymore. But, you know, it is hugely encouraging to see that there's a swell of people saying we need to change and we need to do things differently. That's something that I wake up with every day and I feel responsibility um, as a business owner to, to make a difference because of that. Um, and that shouldn't stop. Um, and I think, was it two or three things? 
just uh, the one. Or a few. Oh, just the one. Just the one. Yeah. <laughs> so there just you go. The one. Yeah. one thing. So there's two. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I wish more business owners woke up with uh, that responsibility. I think I have children. I I am distressed at the world that we're leaving them. I am honestly, I get really emotional about this, but it's just, you know, if there are going to be animals that they will read about in books and never see, and if there's going to be places they can never visit because they're now littered with plastic, I just think that's hugely unfair. And I can understand that there's generations who didn't know any better and they were never told and they couldn't see the impact yet. But I think we we know. We know better now. We know better now. So to not do anything is criminal. Yeah. And um, I think the minute, uh, I don't think you need to have children to realize this. I really hope you don't have to have children. Yeah. But I think once you um, see the world through their eyes, um, if you don't change, then, oh my yeah. God. Yeah, definitely. Great. Well, thank you so much. Um, so finally, where can people find Blanc? How can they support you? Where can they go? Um, so we were, Online and physical, because we really believe in both. Um, online, we're at Blanc with a C, living.co. And you can find us at the same handle um, on social media, um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc. Um, you can visit one of our stores, um, Malibone, Notting Hill, Chelsea, White City, and now South Kensington have got a branch. And um, via our website, you can book uh, pickup and delivery online as well if you'd like for someone to come and pick up um, your, your, your clothes um, for us to take care of in our atelier. And how wide does that pickup range? It's across uh, wider London, so Mm -hmm. greater London, sorry. Greater London, so basically all of central London and sort of zone two to three, I would say. Yeah. Um, So you can basically enter your postcode in the sort of landing page and then it will tell you when we cover you. We don't cover every time slot yet because we're taking it, you know, little by little, Mm -hmm. um, but we definitely cover all areas. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And Mm -hmm. I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing. And I look forward to seeing the future of uh, natural dry cleaning. Thank you so much for giving us a platform to talk about what we're doing. It's meant a lot. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and share the episode or leave us a review to help other people find my podcast. You can also find out more about Agnes London at agneslondon.com or on social media, just at Agnes London. Thank you. See you next week.